KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Matt Leon. Political leaders take trips to other countries, other areas all the time, and usually those trips don't draw a lot of attention, maybe a passing mention on the news. But that was not the case with a recent trip that Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi made. The Speaker traveled to Taiwan on a recent tour through Asia, and that did not sit well with China. What's the big deal? Why did this strike such a nerve with China? To break it all down, we caught up with Dr. Edward Wong. He is a professor of history and coordinator of Asian Studies at Rowan University in Glassboro, New Jersey. So before we talk about the speaker's visit to Taiwan, for people maybe that aren't familiar, can you just kind of give us a quick primer on the relationship between China and Taiwan? It has to deal with somewhat uh, about a history after Second World War. Right after Second World War, then China at that time was represented by uh, the nationalist government. And uh, it led the, the, the country to defeat Japan by working with the United States as its close uh, ally. So before 1971, the government was uh, the member of the United Nations and because of the contribution there uh, in, the, in the Second World War. But right after the Second World War, from 1945 to 1949, China was embroiled in a civil war between the nationalist forces and also the communist forces. And as you know that, and you know, many people know that in 1949, the communist forces prevailed. So the nationalist government retreated to Taiwan. And for the first 10 years, then the government in Taiwan, led by the Jiang family, uh, hoped to recover the mainland. Okay, but then the leader named Jiang Kai-shek died in 1975, then his son succeeded the power, then his son changed his policy, basically focusing on building Taiwan. So from that time on, then uh, it looks like Taiwan was uh, in a position or has been in a position to seek its independent status, especially after 1971, when it was voted out of the United Nations, replaced by uh, mainland China, or People's Republic of China. So from that time on, then uh, it looks like the two sides were pursuing two different agendas. The Taiwan wanted to be more independent. Uh, hopefully that uh, with the independent status, Taiwan could uh, return to the international community. And on the other side, then the, the Chinese always insist that uh, Taiwan is part of China, is a province of China. So China has this claim on Taiwan. So the government in China today still insists on that. And it was somewhat confirmed by uh, President Nixon's visit in 1972 in China. Then uh, Nixon also signed this uh, Shanghai communique, basically admitting that uh, you only have one China. You only have one China. That was represented by People's Republic of China. Taiwan is a province of that country. So that's uh, that's uh, sort of like a uh, gist of the relationship between the two sides. And it it leads to this weird dynamic where Taiwan democratic China obviously not but you know you can't recognize Taiwan's independence but it's so different from China and that leads to the rest of the world playing a very awkward dance, right? True. True. 
So Taiwan now has very few countries that still maintains formal diplomatic relations with Taiwan, partially because of China's pressure. And also, of course, we see that in the last four decades, China has developed very quickly to become the second economic power in the world. Then uh, due to several factors, of course, China's importance is being recognized around the world. So many countries severed uh, their ties with Taiwan. So Taiwan now has maybe just maybe less than a dozen uh, countries that still, I mean, still had this uh, diplomatic relations with Taiwan. The Taiwan officially is still called a, a Republic of China. Talk about the official policy that the U.S. has towards Taiwan. Is it just the one we publicly say this is just, uh, you know, China is China and we don't recognize Taiwan's independence, but kind of on the down low, we do everything we can to recognize Taiwan's independence. Am I, am I being fair there? Yes, more or less. I mean, it's true that because of the Shanghai uh, communique in 1972, the United States official position is that uh, we recognize Taiwan as being part of China. But on the other hand, uh, also, you know, states that uh, we don't want to see any kind of military conflict. In other words, that the uh, United States does not want to see China's military conquest or its so-called unification of Taiwan. So wanted to maintain the status quo. That's the, the, that's the position. And the Chinese government also somewhat recognized that. But now, of course, to, with, with the last two decades and so on, both sides in Taiwan and China are making some changes and which uh, possibly were the long-term uh, causes for Nancy Pelosi's visit. On the one side, of course, China is, uh, I mean, in 1997, when right, China uh, got Hong Kong back from the United Kingdom, then it uh, says that uh, we're going to keep this one country, but two systems. So for 50 years, for half a century, but then, over the last two decades, about 20 years or so, then China is, is changing a little bit or modifying its control or its promise to Hong Kong's uh, special autonomous status. Then the Taiwan's government is also uh, being changed because you have a new uh, party that is currently in power. It's called a Democratic Progressive Party. And that party was more Taiwan-based as more incentivized to seek Taiwan's independence. So the president, Tsai Ing-wen of uh, Taiwan currently is from that party. So then that part, I mean, Tsai Ing-wen possibly invited Nancy Pelosi there. So as Speaker of the House, given what you have laid out, her going on a trip and visiting Taiwan specifically, you know, separate from China, now you can understand this is a very big deal. Exactly. Exactly. Because for the U.S. side, of course, it's not unprecedented because Newt Gingrich visited Taiwan. But before his visit to Taiwan, he visited Beijing first. So even though his, uh, his visit to Taiwan later also caused some protests, but on the hand, you can understand somewhat from the Beijing government that as you came to me, the capital first, then you went to the province. So it's slightly more acceptable. 
But this time, of course, Nancy Pelosi did not go to Beijing. She directly flew from uh, Malaysia to Taiwan. So that was, and, and, and despite the, the protest from the Chinese side, right? So that uh, is considered, I understand this is uh, very hard to stop her, right? She's, uh, because we have uh, this uh, uh, division of powers and even if the White House wants to do something, White House has no say. But on the Chinese side, they are under a different kind of a system. And Nancy Pelosi is number three person in the world, I mean, in, in, in the country. Then she decides to visit uh, Taiwan. And she did not say it's an, a private visit. It's an official visit. So that's really, uh, for, from the Chinese side, is like an insult to their authority over this province. And you mentioned Newt Gingrich, just for context. He was Speaker of the House during that visit you talked about. I think that was 1997. The response from China, the rhetoric has been fiery. It's been kind of over the top. Should there be concern of blowback or retaliation from China? Or is it more bark, less bite? Uh, what What do you see from the, the response? What are from what you've heard and what do you expect? Well, it's it's happening already. And so if you ask my personal opinion, then I would say that uh, the visit does not do good to the United States, to Taiwan. The reason is that the, the outcome does not match the intention. I think the intention, I assume that Nancy Pelosi wants to show up uh, the Democratic Progressive Party, but she does not want to change the status quo. I mean, that's clear, but she also wants to, to uh, support, give more support to the, uh, the democratization movement in Taiwan, right? So that's her intention. But now, right now, is what happened is from August the 4th to the 7th, China launched this military exercise surrounding the whole island. This is unprecedented. So basically, China has doing this and uh, using this visit as a reason, as the reason to do this. So in other words, that they, they got this chance to escalate military embargo of the island, which could be um, their exercise for their military unification. So, and now, now of course, they can do it. And uh, because the United States is not ready to take, I mean, Taiwan, nor Taiwan, is ready to uh, make any effort to counterattack that military, you know, escalation. So to me, I think this is why I say that the 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 outcome so far is being unbeneficial to Taiwan and the United States. All those exercises, the the rhetoric. What is your level of concern that this could turn hot? Well, I don't quickly. think that uh, China is uh, currently has, I, I don't think, personally, I don't think China is ready to do the military, you know, uh, unification of Taiwan and is not ready. And uh, so basically China is going to, 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 to uh, restrain to a degree. But I think the damage is being long term. The long term damage is, uh, is uh, there. And Taiwan is going to suffer more. And of course, the United States is also going to, to, to suffer somewhat economically. And uh, so China has already, uh, the, the Department of Foreign Affairs already issued, I think, a, a, a strong statement with 
eight items uh, indicating they are going to suspend or stop cooperations with the United States on several aspects like uh, climate you know, issues and so on. Many, many, many things. They are doing this very seriously. So that, uh, how we can uh, help you know, alleviating right, this, uh, to the, in, improving the, the, the relationship is, is a hard job. How much does China need the U.S. at this point economically? United States is the largest market for Chinese products still so far. So China, China definitely needs United States. Also, China also has most of foreign reserves in the United States. So yes, China depends on, on the United States. But on the other hand, the United States also depends on China to a great deal, right? Because China is the number two economic power. And uh, the, the, the global chain of uh, communications could be uh, interrupted because of the escalation. How much does Speaker Pelosi's visit, and you talk about, you know, does it elevate Taiwan? Like how big ramifications aside, but just in the moment, her spending, I think she was there about 20 hours. How big is that for Taiwan with regards to the world stage? It will help the party. But on the hand, so far, it's very hard to see whether the uh, the the people in Taiwan, the islanders, will necessarily support the party. So it's, they are going to have the election too in November. So the party, and I think the, the intention from the party uh, in Taiwan wants to help rally the people behind uh, its candidates. So there was a chance that I think China's military threat would actually uh, make the people in Taiwan to like the party more than the Nationalist Party. I mean, I, I cannot predict the, the real outcome of November election, but I think it will. But on the other hand, for long term, if China's economic embargo is going to continue, then we don't know. Because China, I mean, compared with Taiwan, China's economic body is much, much bigger, right? And has the power. Now they have, they can, they can control the whole Taiwan, I mean, surrounding the, the, the boycott, all kind of uh, uh, export and imports to Taiwan, then I would say the people, uh, so in short term, I would say the party would possibly win some votes, but long term, we don't know. And we talk about this kind of awkward dance that the world does. And, you know, Nancy Pelosi goes, the White House didn't stop her. The White House basically said, you do what you think is is right. Does that help with regards to relations with China that the White House can say, this was not our idea, we didn't encourage her? Or is that not an awkward dance that's that's allowed to happen? Like we only kind of, it's only in certain situations do we see what we want to see. Yeah, but I would say if, if President Biden made a personal phone call, I mean, the content of the phone call should not be released. But on the other hand, if she, he made a phone call, that could be a little bit better gesture. Even though he, he actually, I, I would say he did his best. I mean, from, from what I can see that it to stop Nancy Pelosi, he actually cited a spokesperson from the American military and saying that it's not good timing for Nancy Pelosi to pay the visit. So I think that's what Biden uh, had done his most. But on the other hand, from the Chinese side, I would say you would make one more effort that make a personal phone call to Nancy Pelosi, 
right? And they try to stop it. But on the hand, as I said, that uh, countries also need to save face. China needs to save face, right? And the United States wants to save face too. Why are my people's visits, official visits, would be stopped because of your threat? So the, the, so the whole thing becomes very awkward, just like you said. It's very awkward. And I would say, yeah, and also does not help uh, Biden's uh, election. This is my, my personal judgment. We need to take a break. We will have more with Dr. Edward Wong right after this. This is KYW News Radio in depth. And we are back continuing our conversation on KYW News Radio in depth with Dr. Edward Wong. Is this situation not necessarily with Nancy Pelosi, but this this China Taiwan dynamic? Is it just a matter of when this eventually turns into a serious conflict. It just seems like it's just such a delicate balance trying to keep everybody happy. You talk about everybody saving face. It all it seems untenable for the long term. When I say long term, I mean 10, 20, 30 years. Like I'm not talking by the end of the calendar year or anything like that. Is it inevitable if the the current dynamic stays that there will have to be some sort of conflict and once that starts, who knows how that goes? Well, it's it could be inevitable. The reason is that it's not my saying. It's actually a couple of days before. I think uh, the head of the CIA, head of the CIA, actually said that it's not whether, but when China is going to militarily uh, take over Taiwan. So there's a major chance, and also current Chinese leader Xi Jinping is seeking the third term. I would say the. Uh, one of the main reasons for him to justify why he could become the third term uh, of the president, of the leader of the party, as well as the president of the country, is that I'm going to finish the job, finish the job my uh, predecessors failed to do, and I'm going to do it. So that's why, because the two term limits had been seen in the last two of his predecessors was set up by Deng Xiaoping. So president cannot uh, uh, serve more than 10 years. They are, their one term is five, five years. And he's seeking, actually this fall, he's going to be elected to the third term. And so, but I would say, this is the reason for him to, to, to persuade his followers. But on the other hand, he's going possibly to put it into uh, practice. So I would say the next five years or so, it could be, very uh, tricky, I would say, very tricky. And I don't know whether the United States is ready to, to do that. And, uh, but, but of course, it's uh, again, for the Chinese side at this point to do a full military conquest, it's possible, but then afterwards, the repercussions can be also very serious because at least you have about 100 miles of uh, uh, sea miles between the two uh, sides and whether you can actually uh, successfully, right, landed in Taiwan and uh, control Taiwan. That could be a challenge to the Chinese side. So both sides are kind of cautious, I would say. But uh, um, China has more incentive to do it, to, to finish this so-called national unification. And you talked about Hong Kong earlier, and we've seen a lot of changes in Hong Kong. Is that what it could look like in Taiwan, if it's military is one thing, like if there's conflict, but 
if they try to tighten the screws like they have in Hong Kong and suppress dissent and you know and and really push the 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 mainland's agenda, is that what it would look like? The same thing in Taiwan, or would it be harder? You think to do what they're doing in Hong Kong in Thailand or in in Taiwan? Excuse me. Yeah, would be harder. I would say would be harder. Harder if they successfully take over Taiwan by force, then they are going to impose the draconian rule of Taiwan, and it, particularly in the first two decades and so. But the question is still if they can success, successfully do that, and the United States, I mean, possibly would not sit aside seeing this happen. So it's very tricky at this point. But on the hand, for the U.S. citizens, whether we are willing to uh, to commit uh, this uh, this promise, because you know I visited Taiwan many times, and I know that the islanders actually counted on the United States. They actually saw that this is uh, very clear. If China is going to uh, take over our island by force, the United States is not going to let it happen. The United States going to, is going to interfere. But at least, you know, from what I know of the public kind of a sentiment, I don't think the, the most Americans would support that. So it's so that's why Nancy Pelosi's visit is uh, is not very wise, you know, at this point. But I know I understand that uh, she this might be her last show, you know, of her political career, and she's she's possibly going to lose the the the, the position in the Congress, right? I mean, at least uh, at the head of the the the, the party because of the November election. So, I mean, so maybe that's, and also she has a long-term commitment to democracy. Yeah, that was what I was going to say. Yeah, this is yeah. not something, this is not exactly. something that's out of left field. If you- Exactly, exactly. You know, so I can understand her personal uh, motivation. This is clear. But on the hand, uh, so it's, uh, I, I, I can say I wish it did not happen or who invited her first, right? But you have, once you invite her, you cannot withdraw the invitation. And once I, I accept the invitation, I wouldn't just like show my weakness, not going. So this is a, a very kind of awkward, you know, very awkward. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi, for her time in the House, you know, before, well before she was Speaker of the House, she has this has been an important cause for her. This has been something she has spoken of. She has pushed hard against China, uh, very pro Taiwan independence. So uh, just to 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 clear that. So. This is something we're going to have. One of the many things we're going to have to keep an eye on here for uh, for for quite some quite some time, huh? Yeah, it's. Uh, but I I wouldn't say in the last uh, in the next two years. I would say possibly within the next five years or within the next ten years, if Xi Jinping can consolidate the power after being reelected the third term. So I think she, he's going to do some preparation, serious preparation. But on the hand, on the, we have advanced technology, we will see, you know, what is going on, right? And uh, we can also do something by then. But I would say in the next two years or so, we should be safe. But it also, sometimes it also depends on this November election in Taiwan. If the party is changed, it becomes a nationalist party uh, returns to power. And the nationalist party tend to be uh, more kind of moderate, more not, not so aggressive. I mean, this is never... They are in Jeddah. Because as I said before, that for the first 10 years in the 1950s and 1960s, Nationalist Party actually wanted to return to the mainland. So it was never their, their historical kind of goal to be separated from the mainland. So if the party, if the islanders decided to 
to select the president from the Nationalist Party, then the two sides could be, uh, at least the military conflict would not be uh, an only choice. Yeah, but now it looks like it could be the only choice. And the, the leaders in China also see that because Taiwan's leader depends on the United States and relies on the United States, hoping that the United States is going to do the military intervention. So therefore we can do whatever we want to, to seek independence. So, I mean, as a historian, I can also understand them because they lost basically their status in the international community. They have, they have no friends, they, you know, right? I mean, they don't have no friends and Taiwan's you know, economy also suffered for the last two decades. In the 1970s, the economy actually uh, boomed uh, along with Hong Kong, Singapore, and South Korea. And for the last two, two decades, as a matter of fact, the, the, the salary has never changed for most of the Taiwanese. So they also try to seek more economic kind of development. But, uh, but on the hand, if they want to seek more economic development, they could work more, more closely, more closely with the mainland but again, the political ideology prevent them from doing so. Now the, they are following two different tracks of development. So that's also something that uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's very hard to, uh, to, to, to predict what will happen yeah, in the near future. But I would say at least for the first next two years, I think it should be safe. Unless, unless that there's another similar event that happened, Nancy Pelosi or another person or vice president of the United States went to Taiwan. And then China is going to do the same thing with this excesses and then some accident happens. Mm -hmm. Okay, if the accident happens, then, I mean, just like we, we saw the war sometimes happens because of accident, right? Right. Yeah, then that, that is very hard to uh, predict at this point. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.